0: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership
1: with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Delight to bring back our good friend David Arsanyi, senior writer for National Review, author of super important book. I think we had him on last time talking about the book, First Freedom, A Ride Through America's Enduring History. With the gun. Senior writer at National View. His piece, John Kerry, is being shielded by a staggering double standard. I saw this story, David, yesterday, and I thought the thought I had um, the story for those that don't know, the story is that uh, John Kerry told the uh, foreign minister of Iran, um, Javad Zarif, about uh, Israeli counterterrorism attacks against Iran in Syria. Uh, Thus aiding, uh, if the story is true, thus aiding um, the world's leading sponsor of terrorism uh, with information classified about an ally of ours in the same region and an enemy of uh, of Iran's. David, the first thing I thought when I saw this story was we're going to see a lot of these stories. I, I mean, I just think John Kerry is trouble for a lot of reasons and why the administration wanted to bring him in. I thought that was dangerous as well. Someone so close to the presidency in the first place and a former secretary of state like this is just it's, he's not someone you can control, nor do I think his hmm. compass has ever been pointed north. But you tell me what you thought.
0: Well, I guess I'd say that it looks like the Biden administration is Obama 3.0, basically. Uh-huh. And he was part of that. Yeah. And, um, and Biden was part of that. Yep. Biden Biden also um, was part of the giveaway to Iran. Yep. And um, I don't think Biden would act and probably act in the way that Kerry does. I mean, the stigophant when it comes to Iran, uh, he values them over Israel. I, if you if, you know, if he was honest, I think he'd say he'd rather have Iran as an ally than Israel. And he acts that way. And it is completely conceivable that he would trade in secrets that undermined Israel's security. Um uh, you know, to to, you know, to placate the, the, the Iranian um, problem with the whole thing for me is I think we know, knew that. But he was in the government and that's government policy when you're doing things like that. Sure. I don't like it, but it is what it is. Right, right. Now you have him as a private citizen right. undermining the administration's policy towards Iran openly, not openly, but almost openly going in and, 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 you know, to foreign countries and speaking to our adversaries. Mm-hmm. Iran is our adversary. Mm-hmm. So I mean it's just unprecedented I can't even think of a modern example or any example in American history of that of a former Secretary of State going abroad to undermine the president administration's policies in that way
1: no I can't either it's a tremendous it's a tremendous thing when you think about it and um, I, I suppose one one asks why why would why would Kerry put himself in this position in the first place uh, you know, I I I suppose it has to do with two things, one ideology, as you've pointed out, but also this is a man whose career, other than the Iran deal and whatever happened in Vietnam, pretty much doesn't have a headline to it. I mean, I think he wants to be known as the man who made peace with Iran. I really do. And I think oh, that yeah. that's, that's – when you think about his long record of service – can you think of any other headline about John Kerry other than he lost the presidency in oh four? I mean, the man does not have a lot to his record that's esteemable. I mean a, a few a few will o' the wisp weird weird investigations in the eighties, but that's about it, right?
0: Well, I also remember I mean, I don't remember personally I was alive, but I don't remember it happening, him going down to Nicaragua to defend yeah. communist dictator that's down true. there, uh, from the Reagan administration that's as well. True. So yes. It's the kind of thing he likes to do. Um, I don't think he's an impressive character. I think he's been wrong about a million things, including what would happen when Israel moved their embassy to Jerusalem. He predicted that there would be some kind of widespread uh, conflict and war. And instead we have normalization agreements with, with uh, Israel and a bunch of Sunni Arab nations. So he's been wrong about everything. He was wrong about the Iran deal, wrong about Israel. And I'm sure he's been wrong about a million other things, including his radical positions on um, climate change and what we need to do in that arena, where he's perfectly happy, you know, going to speaking with the Chinese and, you know, treating them as if they're equal, et cetera, to make a deal there. So I think he's a dangerous character, yeah, but uh, he's so unimpressive, I don't think he'll get anything done, which is a good thing.
1: What's odd to me is whenever you see him interviewed, he's always defending Iran And I wonder if there's ever been a case – I can't think of it – where he's ever said he – you know, a lot of administrations do this, David, right? They'll say, well, we raise the human rights issues privately. I've never even heard him say that. I've never heard him say we've challenged them on terrorism, we've challenged them on human rights. I've never heard him even defend himself on that.
0: No, he he doesn't do that. I mean, you know – you're right. Most people say that, and probably maybe they do it, right? But I don't think he does. Um, and if, if there is uh, the leaked call, with any indication he's telling them, you know, he's speaking about Israel, not about Iran, you know, did, you know, killing of 600 American servicemen through their proxies, or actually not even always through their proxies, or, or the other things that they do to undermine uh, America and our allies. It's hard to sometimes, when you read columns about this, for instance, from left wingers, Sometimes you have to remind yourself, Amer- Israel is actually an ally of America, and Iran is not. Iran is an adversary, and sometimes people forget that. They think, and I believe they think, you know, Ben Rhodes, Obama, and the others, that they want Iran to be a regional power and to, to sort of blunt Israel's power and Saudi Arabia's to sort of create some kind of peace there. I, I don't I don't think that's going to work, but I think that's what they're really
1: thinking. Um, I I think you're right. And and the other thing that's odd, though, about this, and I want to get to the point of your piece, David, too, which is the the double standard part. I'm just trying to understand John Kerry. The wrongness. Let me start. Did you ever hear the audio, Bill? Do we still have the audio? Did you ever hear the audio, David, of him talking about how you can't do Israel-Arab peace deals without the Palestinians? Did you ever hear? (laughs) Yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, you couldn't I mean, it's just 180 degree, degrees wrong on every one of these things trying to salvage, I suppose, some bit of reputation. But the point of your column is great because this is a story that hasn't been covered. It's a hugely, I think, important stories. Uh, there are probably, what, 10 countries in the world that are really important. I think Iran and Israel probably make that list. And this story didn't make it to ABC or CBS or NBC. I I think it's an incredible thing. And as you point out, if you go back to the nuclear deal with Iran, this is great history on your part. I really appreciate you having done this because I forgot about it. When you go back and recall in 2015, uh, several senators, what was it, something like 50 Republican senators sent an open letter to the Iranians, saying that since the Senate isn't ratifying this treaty, it may be very well temporary. And all these newspapers and press outlets and Democrats blasted the Republicans for disrupting foreign policy, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, Tom Cotton, I think, led it, that effort, I think it was 47 signatures. I think they, you know, they talked about the treaty clause and how we do it here, and they warned that the, the the deal probably won't last long, and it did not last long. So um they were right. I don't, you know, I don't know how I felt. I don't remember how I felt about that letter, but a lot either. of Democrats, I, I don't, and either. a lot of pundits, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot yeah. of pundits said. I mean, I know I wasn't upset about it, right? right but but I wondered pundits, if it was
1: appropriate. I also wondered, right? Too, at exactly, the time.
0: yeah, right. But a lot of pundits said that there was a violation of the Logan Act and. You know, just all kinds of. I mean, it, it was wall to wall coverage. Every, basically, every columnist wrote about it, and it was a big deal. And now you have John Kerry, I mean, a former Secretary of State during the Trump administration going to Europe to meet with the Iranian foreign minister, an adversary of the United States, to undermine policies of the U.S. government. It's completely inappropriate. And I don't even know that most Americans know that 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 happened. Right. And now we learn that he may have handed over. You know, I'm not. Listen, I'm sure the Iranians know who's blowing up stuff in Syria. It's not. You know, it's not. Uh, you know, the Chinese. It's it's probably the Israelis, and that's fine. But his. Why is he even talking about that? He's supposed to be an American statesman, a person who cares about our allies, etc. And he's involved in that sort of conversation. I think he's lying, but but I can't ever prove it.
1: Yeah, but even if it is public knowledge or even if it's not so much public knowledge but publicly available knowledge, uh, for him to do that, the, the motive has to be only one of showing the Iranians that they have an American on their side. Mm-hmm. Right? That this this guy sees what they're interested in and wants to help their interests, not America's ally. Yeah, I wish ally. I had made that point. Right? Yeah. No, I I mean, I, I it just dawns on me as we're talking about it, uh, the message it conveys to Iran. And I, the other odd thing about this, this is a very odd story. The other odd thing about this, David, is why would Zarif say this if he and Kerry are such good friends? It obviously wasn't something... He would lie about it. He may have been wrong about it. He may be mistaken about it. But I don't think it was to throw John Kerry under the bus. I think, if anything, it was to brag or something. Uh, let me ask you this, David, um, if I can, crystal ball kind of stuff. But do you sense that the United States, perhaps with other nations, the other five, but um, do you think the United States and Iran are going to be able to remake a nuclear deal? in the shape and form that the Biden administration is appealing to, do you think?
0: You know, I don't know. I feel like probably – right now I feel like they won't. Yeah. Tomorrow I might feel differently. Yeah. I saw a story before I got on with you about American ships right. having been having to fire right. on some Iranian boats again. Right. right. Um, I don't know if Iran wants it. I That's don't know right. what they want. It's hard to tell. Yeah. I think Israel will do what it can to sabotage it. I know people don't like to hear that, but, I mean, they have every right to self-defense and allowing a, a nation that makes genocidal threats against it to have a nuclear weapon is just not going
1: yeah, to Yeah, when you talk about that. a country that will no longer exist, you can't blame that country for trying to exist.
0: Right. And I know has a long history of... of in the 60s, they did this with Egypt when they were building missiles that could have destroyed them. So I just don't think they'll allow this kind of thing to happen without some kind of military action. Unfortunately, if there was a deal, it would basically give Iran cover, and I think mm-hmm. that that would be, make it much more difficult. Um, so It, it, I don't does, know it actually does make
1: it difficult in this sense, doesn't it? It puts some daylight, doesn't it, between the U.S. and Israel, uh, such that if Israel were to attack Iran, the U.S. would have to debate inside the administration whose side they're on to protect the deal or protect the ally. Right. I mean, that's, what's concerning here. I think.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, it would, it creates, makes it very difficult for if Israel launches an attack against a nation that is in a, in a deal with the the European nations and the United States, it makes it, makes it a much more um, significant act of war, I guess. And it, it means that it undermined the United States in some way. And also, um, the u.s won't allow them to use their airspace you know certain airspace things like that it it makes it much more complicated now obviously israel has grown much closer to sunni gulf states that are also the enemy of iran Mm -hmm. i think if iran gets a nuclear weapon or enters this deal saudi arabia will probably want a nuclear weapon itself Mm so it escalates everything. I'm, you know, I don't consider myself some great ex- expert on the area, but uh, it's, it's. You don't have to be to no. see what will happen if Iran, if Iran right now with this leadership gets a deal. We should mention another thing about the Obama administration that they chose the mullahs over the people yeah. who were rebelling in the Green Movement. I think it was 2009 to make a deal. And that um, was a, was a horrible decision, also that that led led us here. And they keep doing that. They keep selling everyone out along the way to make this deal. And I just it's hard for me to understand the motivation behind it. I think you hit on it with you know Kerry saying he's the man who made the you know peace with Iran and so on, but uh, it just doesn't make much sense. To me. That
1: 09 that that 2009. It, uh, you know I didn't put it together till later that this was in an effort for some kind of dream deal with Iran. But I remember thinking in 09. Uh, When Barack Obama said we aren't going to meddle in Iran's political affairs, which is taking a side, it's not being neutral when you say you're not going to meddle and only one side has guns, that's taking a side. And he shut down that uh, organic revolution in Iran. I thought at the time, and I think still today, I think that was the single worst thing the Obama administration did – in a in a in a eight year term of very bad things, I really yeah, think that that policy. was the most consequential shutting down that once in a almost once in a lifetime organic revolution.
0: But then supporting the Islamists yeah. at the same time right. in Egypt and elsewhere, right. It, right? You know, it just showed how they viewed the world and. Um, yeah, it was it was it was disgusting. I mean, it, no one's saying we needed to drop Marines in to help right. them, but we could have helped them in other ways. Right. There was obviously a big movement, right? right. Everyone it's was huge. talking about the Arab Spring. And oh, here it was you a have, huge
1: moment. It was a huge moment. Yeah, and and,
0: and, and here he, you have yeah. you know a, a, yeah a revolution in a place that is you know is a real theocracy yeah. of, of people who right. have lived a different way before in their history. Right. Right. Uh, being smothered by by that,
1: I remember that tree, Roger Cohen so. of the New York Times, who was in Tehran covering this at the time, said they were they, they were very clearly on the streets marching yelling where's obama where's obama They wanted u s moral support, maybe a little material, maybe some communications equipment that's all they were asking for <laughs> they weren't asking. To be shut down totally and then imprisoned such that I think, I mean, the experts I talk to, your Michael Rubens, et cetera, I think most of, the, most of the people who could lead such an effort now are in prison or dead. I mean, this really snuffed out the potential, the once in a almost lifetime rare potential of reform, and that's all Barack Obama's doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was. He was—he was a terrible president. <laughs>
1: uh, all right, I got to ask you. It's unfair to you, probably, but I just—you're a smart guy, and I'm asking smart people. Do you understand the CDC's masking vaccination <laughs> I, policy at I, this I, point?
0: I, it doesn't make any sense. But also, okay. I don't care. <laughs> <CDC laughs> so you, you don't know, care. Uh,
1: That's better. Yeah. That I—I yeah. I said earlier, David. I said there is this weird thing going on where these government officials have no compunction. About talking like this, for example, Rach- Ro- Rochelle Walensky, we've spent a lot of time telling Americans what you can't do. Today I'm going to tell you things you can't do. The idea that they can talk like this with a straight face, thinking that it's the CDC director we're listening to to tell us what we can and cannot do. I know there are Karens out there that probably are hanging on every word of hers like it's from Mount Olympus. But the idea <laughs> there are Americans wondering if Joe Biden will let them have their Fourth of July. It's pretty funny, but it's also pretty telling about their mindset.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The CDC has no power to tell you how to act in any way. It's not especially in any kind of national way. I mean, it (laughs) can tell Californians what to do or people in Arizona, but people listen to them as they can. And the problem is schools listen to them and they they just ignore science when it matters. Um, And now we know that we went through a year, more than a year of having you know so-called experts mm-hmm. telling us how to live our lives that's totally uh disconnected from actual science yep. that has caused tremendous pain yep. and have caused tremendous suffering for many people and that they did nothing to help us and um the, the way that americans too many americans simply gave up those freedoms to let governors unilaterally tell them they can't go to church or can't go into a store I just can't believe that happened. And I can't believe there wasn't a bigger uproar. I don't believe that can happen again anytime soon.
1: I hope not. Well, I don't believe uh, I don't believe it should. I worry about whether it was a test. I really Alex Berenson and I were talking once about the mask stuff. And his point was, you know, I think this could be seen as a test to see what we can get Americans to do. Now, I know that's a little paranoid. But in looking back, you have to wonder. And um and I, I as as I as I am as, as shocked you as you are, David, about how willingly and compliant uh, the American, too many of the American people, were willing to listen to these non-elected experts speaking rot and obeying it as if it were, as if it were the annals of the New England Journal of Medicine. It just wasn't. David, you're always great to have. I really appreciate you. Um, you always write exactly the kind of thing we're looking for. So thank you for your writing, and thank you for always being willing to come on the show with us. Thank you for the kind words, and thanks for having me on. You betcha. You betcha. Be well. We'll talk soon.
0: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today.